Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome into the program, everybody. This is the Joel Klatt Show. I am Joel Klatt, and thank you, as always, for joining. Uh, remember to subscribe to the program here at the Joel Klatt Show, wherever you get your podcasts, and then rate and review us. If you haven't followed us on social media, you can find us any of the social medias that you can possibly, possibly download onto that phone of yours. At Joel Klatt Show. You can find us there. All of our content is there. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into this because this is a very special edition of the Joel Klatt Show. It's the show in which I am debuting my top 50 list. I know it's very in vogue to kind of do a top 50 list, but as we prepare for the National Football League draft this spring, I wanted to give you my top 50 players available. And again, Every single time you do a top 50 list or a big board or, or just rate players, people automatically are like, well, this player's not going to be the number one pick. Yeah, this is not a mock draft. This is how I evaluate the actual players themselves. So this is my top 50 players available in this year's NFL draft. A lot of these players I've covered, uh, I'm going to sit and, and kind of chat about a few of these guys, but let's start 50 down to one, uh, and number one will be my last uh, reveal. So let's start with number 50. All right, I'm going to go with running back from UCLA, Zach Charbonnet. I really love Zach Charbonnet. He's big. He's tough. He transferred from Michigan some when he was a young player, and then obviously did a lot of big things for the Bruins. He's number 50. At number 49, I got Jack Campbell from Iowa, the linebacker. Campbell's the guy who was the heart and soul of that defense, which is one of the best defenses in the entire country. Remember, if they're just average on offense that's easily a 10-win team Campbell's a heck of a player and runs better than people think uh, that he does Dewan Jones the tackle from Ohio State uh, he's a guy that is a just a massive human being and a pretty good player I think he's better in pass protection than he is in, in run blocking it's one of the reasons why they struggled running the football and they were uh, so good throwing the football uh, at 47 I've got Luke Musgrave the tight end from Oregon State. Uh, I loved Oregon State. I wish I could have covered one of their games. I didn't. Um, can't wait to talk with Coach Smith uh, a little bit more about Luke Musgrave as this process moves along. Sam Laporta, the tight end from Iowa, is going to be number 46. So right away, a couple of Hawkeyes in there. One of the things that I wanted to, to do is, is sit on a guy that maybe you haven't heard a lot about yet or guys that I have higher than other lists. Laporta is one of those guys. I'm a bit higher on Laporta than than most and one of the reasons is, is because he was such a good route runner 
And he was the absolute focal point of this offense. Now, you might be telling me, hey, Joel, this is an offense that wasn't very good. So what does that tell me that he was a focal point of a bad offense? Well, it tells me that he was the only threat. So every defense had all of their focus on number 84. And yet he still led the team in receptions each of the last three years. He still became the all-time leader in receptions. This guy had 30% of his team's catches. And when they needed a play, it was going to number 84. And it's not even like they didn't have you know great options on the outside. For the beginning of this season, Iowa didn't have any options on the outside. Remember Chuck Sizzle, Charlie Jones, he transferred away and they were banged up, didn't have many guys out there at wide receiver. In fact, they played a couple of games early in the season with only two healthy wide receivers. So Laporta did all of his business this year with all of the focus from the defense on him. That's one of the reasons why I really like him at tight end. All right, number five, Hendon Hooker. Um, I'm not going to stop um, every guy, but I'm also going to stop for Hendon Hooker. I loved Hendon Hooker. I loved his game. What he did for Tennessee this year was quite remor- remarkable. So he jumps into my top 50. What I really love about Hooker is his growth and development over the last couple of years. When we, when we first saw him, he wasn't nearly the player. He didn't have nearly the polish that he did this last season. So he goes into Tennessee and then he's operating in an offense that is throwing the ball down the field. And more specifically, they are making post-snap downfield decisions. And that's not always the case in today's college football. A lot of throws are built in for guys. A lot of throws are are built in, in particular, you know, less than 10 yards uh, down the down the field. He's throwing the ball down the field with a post-snap decision with that wide receiver uh, read route. And so if you start to project him into the National Football League, I think he fits a lot of different systems, in particular with his maturity, his ability to to be developed. You know that he can do that. And so this guy is... Is it, listen, if you have a established starter and you're like, well, we probably are going to be looking in the quarterback market, Hendon Hooker is a great option because he showed that development. He throws the ball down the field and he did it all from inside the pocket. That's what a backup is all about, at least early in his career. Um, all right, let's continue to move on. So that's Hendon Hooker at number 45. I've got at 44, John Michael Schmitz, the center from Minnesota. Then you continue to move up. Cody Mock, the offensive tackle from North Dakota. Uh, listen, North Dakota State, excuse me, the Bison. This guy is a really good player. Um, I know a lot of people, everyone's like, oh, of course, North Dakota State. This is another one. He's going to be a good NFL player. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, I've got, let's see, Emmanuel Forbes, the corner from Mississippi State. There's a lot of corners in here, by the way. This is a heavy corner draft. It's a heavy edge draft. And Forbes is in there uh, along with Cam Smith. He's at 41. He's from South Carolina. Uh, as we get into the top 40, I go uh, again into the SEC safety. Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M, really like his game. Um, and then I got Isaiah Foskey, the edge player from Notre Dame. He's a guy that I'm a bit higher on than most. I think he is athletic. He's disruptive. I love his game a lot. And so Foskey is a guy that I think can go into the National Football League and, and do some big things. Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver from Tennessee, he's at 38. Again, this was a a, a wide receiver-led offense, not because they didn't have other guys that produced, because Hooker clearly did, but at Tennessee, they ran that downfield wide receiver choice route. 
And Hyatt did it really well. So he understands how to eat up leverage, the cushion, make a decision on the fly, read what the defense is doing, and then react accordingly. And that's going to pay dividends uh, at the next level. Uh, Trenton Simpson, the linebacker from Clemson, he's at 37. I've got Felix and Aduke Uzuma. I probably botched that name, but you know what? Felix is at 36. I covered him a couple of times. Love his motor. Um, I think that this is a guy that, in my eyes, when you look up, it won't surprise me at all if he's got pretty good production early in his career because he's got those types of traits and that type of uh, athleticism. I've got another edge player right above him at 35. This is LSU, BJ Ujilari. Uh, I love his game. BJ is the type of guy that I feel is is similar to Felix Azuma, but those guys, you know, I give Ojolari a little bit of a, a nod there. Will Levis is at 34. Um, now Levis is an interesting guy because I actually have him lower than than most pundits, if you will, or or analyzers, and I love his traits. I'm, I'm not going to you know knock his traits. He's got a huge arm, um, but. <clears throat> And I hate this. Is by the way, let me just as an aside. As I'm talking about Will Levis, this is my least favorite part of the draft draft process. Is when you have to defend putting a guy at 34 because everyone's like that's too low. So you feel like you have to knock him. Listen, he's the 34th best player in the National Football League draft. That is incredible. He's my third best quarterback in the entire draft, or excuse me, fourth best quarterback in the entire draft. So I love his game. Let me start with that. Great traits. There are some times when I, I, I look at the film and I'm like, listen, he didn't have a ton of help around him. There's a bit of the Josh Allen quality to his film because of what he had around him, in particular on the outside at wide receiver. Um, he did throw a few too many picks, right? I mean, I mean, that's you don't want to turn the football over. That is a cardinal sin for a quarterback, and he did that a little bit too often. Can he develop? I hope so. If I had to give a reason why I have him as far down as I do, it's because I saw the other guys, namely those top three guys that I'll talk about later in the list, elevate everybody else around them more often than Levis did. See, it was it's hard for me to go back and watch the game where I'm like, man, he's the reason solely he's carrying everybody, and he's the reason why they're in this position. Too many times it's like, man, it was a mistake that he made that cost them a turnover that he made that cost them. Okay, I can point to games. Anthony Richardson is the reason Florida beat Utah. It was a good Utah team. Bryce Young, that speaks for itself. This dude did not have a lot of help at wide receiver, and he was still constantly willing his team into position. C.J. Stroud, you can say similar things in particular in that game against Georgia. I would say similar things about Hendon Hooker in that game against Alabama. So Levis while I love him, didn't have a lot of those games. The closest thing you could say is last year in 2021 when you know he lost the game to Tennessee. What was that, 45-42? He threw it for over 370 yards and three touchdowns. Did have an INT in that game. But again, 23 interceptions in his last two years, and, and, and that's why I have him a little bit lower than, than others. Okay, uh, 
Clyde Cansey, the defensive tackle from Pitt. I've got him in there at, at 33. Will McDonald, edge from Iowa State. Love his game. I've got him at 32. Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle from Michigan. He was a huge reason, reason why Michigan's defense was as good as it was last year, even with the loss of those two edge players from the year previous. Um, so I, I like Mozzie a lot. He's big, he's strong, he's a run wall in there, and I think that that's going to be attractive to a lot of teams in the National Football League. Osiris Torrance, the offensive guard from Florida, he is at 30. Deontay Banks, the corner from Maryland, saw him in that game against Michigan uh, earlier this year. I've got Banks in my top 30 at 29. Darnell Washington, the tight end from uh, Georgia. This guy's got traits for days, right? Like I, I really like Darnell Washington's game. He's athletic. And he catches the ball well. So I like what Darnell Washington brings. I've got Ringo, the corner from Georgia. He's in the top 30 at number 27. Again, a lot of corners in here as you're going to start to see. Um, Zay Flowers, really good slot style wide receiver from Boston College. This guy's got great quickness. If you saw him at the Senior Bowl, uh, this is a guy that gets separation. He understands route running. He understands leverage. And he understands that as a wide receiver, you're constantly communicating with the way that you're running a route. You can see that he's been taught well. So I really like Zay Flowers right there at 26. At 25, I got Brian Breezy, um, defensive tackle from Clemson. Good player, uh, strong player. Has been good since the day he stepped on the campus at Clemson. Darnell Wright, number 24. He's the tackle from Tennessee. A lot of volunteers in here. They have a, a great team and a great year, and that's one of the reasons why these guys are, are constantly going to be up there here in this draft process. I've got Brian Branch at 23, um, uh, defensive back from Alabama. Those defensive backs from Alabama, they, they're constantly – valuable to their NFL franchises. Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah. He's at 22. Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle from Georgia. I mean, Georgia's got so many guys, right? And, and rightly so. Number 20, I've got Lucas Van Ness, the edge player from Iowa. It's a shame that Iowa didn't have competent offense because that was a really good team. Look at this, three players in the top 50. The fact that they couldn't put together some competent offense is, is really a tragedy with the players that they had. Number 19, I've got Paris Johnson, the other tackle from Ohio State. I think he's a little bit better than Dewan Jones, so I got Paris in there. He's in my top 20, the offensive tackle from Ohio State. These are guys, again, I think those Ohio State guys, both are better in pass protection than they were in run blocking. They just, they never quite settled on what their DNA was from a run scheme perspective, and a lot of that was... They couldn't figure out like what these guys could do. Was it outside zone? Was it inside zone? Was it power, gap schemes, man schemes? And, and it never really materialized. And that was one of the reasons why they were uh, struggled running the football. Jameer Gibbs at number 18, the running back from Alabama. I love Jameer Gibbs. And this guy is a, a creative offensive co coordinator. This guy is a dream for him because of what he provides in every area of the game the the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield he's so smooth catching the ball out of the backfield he's explosive in the open field he breaks tackles he runs tough he runs between you know it's 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 way too easy to just say like well he's an every day down back yeah 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 but he's also like great at everything watch him as he is catching the football he catches it without that little jump or hesitation 
stride. He runs through the catching catches, keeping his feet on the ground. He catches the ball with his hands. And even when he's running the ball between the tackles, he's got great vision, great burst and great toughness. So Gibbs is the type of guy that you put on on any offense in the National Football League and he's going to produce. I think he's going to be one of the best backs in in the entire league in probably three or four years. And that's uh, that's a guy that I think can get the job done. I really love Jameer Gibbs. All right, let's see. Uh, We go to number 17. I've got Nolan Smith, edge from Georgia. So impressive. You saw that if you watched any of the coverage of the um, combine, whether it's him talking. um, So you know he did great in the interviews uh, or on the field. This guy impresses everywhere that he goes. Number 16, I've got Quentin Johnston, uh, the the, um, wide receiver from TCU. He is... Physically, a guy that I think can turn into a number one. Um, I think he needs some route running polish. Uh, he's not the route runner that maybe some of these other guys are at wide receiver ahead of him. However, he he's explosive and he catches the ball in contested areas, and and that's what you need in particular in in the playoffs. Um, speaking of a guy that catches the ball in contested areas, Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer, I talked about Sam Laporta with 30% of his team's catches. The only other tight end that came close to that and actually had over 30% of his team's catches was Michael Mayer. They didn't have a lot offensively, obviously with all the injuries uh, to their quarterback. And this guy is a consummate team guy. He's a great blocker. He can play in line. He can flex out if you want to because he's so athletic. Uh, had the chance to meet him before we covered their game against Wisconsin last year in our trip to South Bend. I was so impressed with him, so impressed with him. He is a consummate professional, and he immediately makes your team better. I look at a team like, like let's say, with with the Raiders, with Dale, Darren Waller, you, you know, is is gone from the Raiders. If they wanted to try to replace what he gave them, maybe a guy like Michael Mayer, you know, is up there or Sam Laporta. So I think that that that's an interesting piece. Jordan Addison is number fourteen, the wide receiver from USC. Um, obviously his game speech for, speaks for itself. Quickness, the ability to catch the ball, route running, the polish, it's all there. Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon, is going to be 13. Uh, Devon Witherspoon, the corner from Illinois, is going to be 12. And Joey Porter, the corner from Penn State, is going to be 11. I just had all of these guys kind of grouped up together, and it was hard for me to separate which one I liked over the other. Witherspoon is a great player, and I understand why some people have him as their top corner on their list. Christian Gonzalez, I think, can probably have an argument um, in, in that regard as well. I landed on Joey Porter, and this might be the bias of coverage. Like I, I covered him more. I, I talked with him. I've, I've seen him, and, and I know what they tried to do defensively at Penn State, which is put as much pressure on you as an offense as possible, and they did that a lot with man coverage. In particular, this last year, you know, they sat in man and he had tough assignments. So he's number 11 on my list. And think about it. He's got the traits with the length, obviously, the competitiveness, the toughness, uh, the lineage with it, with his father. And this is a defense that was leaned on in particular last year. Uh, I'm not even talking this last season, but but the season before that, the defense had to be great because of uh, their struggles on the offensive side. And and Joey Porter Jr. was always given the toughest responsibility on the field. He's the one that had to go guard Marvin Harrison Jr. And I know Marvin Harrison Jr. had a good day against him, but man, that was a battle. 
You know, Harrison Jr. was banged up after that. He uses his hands in particular uh, very well at the line of scrimmage. He's very physical. If there is a knock, it's that he can tend to get handsy. So look for some penalties early in his career, but he'll, I think, grow out of that. All right, let's get into the top 10 here. Um, so my top 10 players available in this year's NFL draft. Miles Murphy, edge from Clemson. So he inches in that top 10. That Clemson team, I know they took a little bit of a step back uh, as far as where they were playing at in the previous seasons, but they still got great players, and Murphy is one of them. Anthony Richardson at number nine. He's in my top 10. And if you haven't heard my take on Richardson before, Anthony Richardson has the ability to be the best player in the NFL. The problem is, is that it's going to take a lot of development to get there. Um, he's got incredible traits and, and things that you just can't teach and coach. Uh, th- this guy is and can be a dynamo. And my analogy is that every quarterback is kind of like a Rubik's Cube. And the NFL is always trying to trying – to, uh, figure out how many turns of the Rubik's Cube are you away from being complete. And they don't want you to be complete because you need to have room to grow. So there's got to be some turns there, right? Some turns is good, but you don't want like 20 turns. And Richardson might be close to 20 turns, 25 turns of the Rubik's Cube. So is it going to take some time? Yes, it's going to take some time. Will it absolutely get done? I don't know if it's going to get done. I don't know if that cube's ever going to be completed. But if it is, watch out. He immediately becomes the best player on the field. And so that's why he's going to land probably in the top 10. That's why I think that he's in contention maybe for the top pick in the draft. Now, I can't in good conscience put him there, even though his traits are are through the roof. I can't in good conscience put him there, but he has that type of ability. At number eight, this is a guy that I'm way higher on than most, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Did everyone forget that he played last season? Like, Everyone's like, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's that good. What do you mean I don't know if he's that good? I do. I do. Anybody that watched football in 2021 should know that Jackson Smith and Jigba is a guy that can lead the league in receptions at some point in his career, probably by year three, maybe two or three. I firmly believe he's the type of player that creates space in the slot He understands coverage. He's really smart, catches the ball well, and he will be an absolute godsend to any quarterback that you give him. By the way, if you give him a really good quarterback, like if he had Brady in his prime, watch out. This guy with a really knowledgeable quarterback that understands underneath timing you know, a guy like Stafford with two, with Cooper Cup or what Brady had done with those slot re- players all the time. This guy could have 140 catches, 130 catches. There's no doubt in my mind. So Smith and Jigba is up there because of that. Let's not forget that he was the best wide receiver Ohio State had when he was playing with two guys that just ripped up the National Football League in their rookie season, right? Garrett Wilson and, and Chris Olave. And everybody that played against them, every defensive coordinator always said, man, the number 11 is where we got to start. They didn't talk about Gary Wilson. They didn't talk about Chris Olave. Not that those players weren't good, and I'm not trying to rip on them. I'm just saying, like, 
let's not be revisionist in our history here. Jackson Smith and Jigba is an incredible player, and I think he's he's going to be that moving forward. Peter Skaronski is going to be number seven. He's the tackle from Northwestern. Really good athlete. Bends well. He's solid. He's not going to blow you away with traits, but it's not going to shock me at all if you look up and this guy has had a 12, 13, 14-year career, rarely injured, and a guy that is a mainstay as a Pro Bowl caliber player uh, in the National Football League. At number six, I've got Jalen Carter. I toyed around with moving him down. That pro day was disastrous. The last two weeks have been disastrous for Jalen Carter. So three weeks, right? With, with all of his off-field problems, and then he shows up at pro day, and he's nine pounds heavier and has to tap out and like he took off his shirt as if that was going to be impressive and I'm like that wasn't impressive you shouldn't have done that like leave the shirt on I um that's that's a bad look and and yes you can turn on the film as an evaluator and and push aside all of those problems that have arisen in the last couple of weeks it's easy to do that because he's a fantastic player a great player a dominant player but it's worrisome when he shows that in the most critical offseason really of his life, as he's preparing for his next job in a job interview, he shows up nine, nine pounds heavy for his pro day. That's, <clears throat> that's worrisome. That's worrisome. That's why he's at number six. And quite frankly, I could have very easily nudged him down a little bit further. At number five, I've got C.J. Stroud, quarterback at Ohio State. Super accurate. Very mentally tough. I've said this before. I think playing quarterback at Ohio State's the toughest singular position in college football. Um, some might argue with me on that, but I understand what that fan base is like. I see it. I sense it. I feel it. I talk with all the coaches around there and all the people around there, and that hasn't been easy. In particular, a guy that lost to Michigan a couple of times. He's an accurate player. I love what he does from the pocket. Are his guys open a lot? Yes. They scheme them up as well as anybody in college football at Ohio State. There's no doubt. Having said that, though, the mental toughness that he showed against Georgia, leading them to the point where they're basically there to win the game, you know, at least push it into overtime, I that that can't be overlooked. So I've got Stroud at number five. Bijan Robinson at number four, the running back from Texas. Great skill set, bad offensive line. He's just a little bit better version of what Jameer Gibbs is, a guy that can catch it out of the backfield. He can run between the tackles. Amazing burst. He's got home run ability. Bijan Robinson is a guy that I think should be taken in the top half of the first round. I don't know who's going to go up there and do that, but that's, that's where I would land him. Tyree Wilson is the edge player from Texas Tech. Got to see him up close and personal when they played TCU. I was really impressed. Great length. He's got that combination of bend and power that is that is rare. And when I first saw him on the field, I went down and, and in that pregame, the first thing that I wanted to do is go look at Tyree Wilson. And I immediately was like, oh, yeah, that's that's what it's supposed to look like right there. And he is right out of central casting, but then he plays physically, plays tough. I like his hands. And I think that he's got a lot of room for improvement. So he's got a really high ceiling, and he's already showing the ability to go out there and dominate at times on the edge. So I really love what Ty Tyree Wilson brings. And number two, I've got Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama. To say that I love this guy's game is the absolute understatement of, of the century. Bryce Young is everything that you want. Now, would you want him to be a little bit bigger in stature? Sure, sure. But just turn on the film. Like, watch the guy play. 
Watch the guy play. He is a great leader. He makes clutch plays in the biggest moments of almost every big game that he's in. He very rarely makes big mistakes. He's accurate with the football. He's got a stronger arm than you would think. He's elusive, not only in the pocket, but outside of the pocket. Then once he's outside of the pocket, he becomes at times even more dangerous because he keeps his eyes down the field. And then he's just like a cobra. It's just like, bam, and he can hurt you. So, you know, this this is a guy that I think is going to have a huge NFL career. I didn't put him at number one. And the only reason I put him at number one is his size and the fact that, as was the case with a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think all of us are just kind of brushing over my number one player in the draft, Will Anderson. Will Anderson has been, you know, the best player in college football, arguably for two straight years. And this last year, he was the focal point of every single pass protection that he faced. He was constantly doubled and triple teamed, and yet he still made huge plays. Um, I I love talking with him. I love talking with the players and, and people in that program about Will Anderson. This guy is an alpha. He is one of those guys that is in the same vein of all the great defenders in Alabama uh, history, in particular under Nick Saban. And then you get to what he does on the field, right? He's got the explosiveness and the get-off. He's got the power. He can bend. He can do all the scout cliches that you can possibly want. He can play stood up. I think that this is the guy that can be a captain in an NFL locker room in, in, in short order. He can be a defensive player of the year because of his ability to disrupt the passing game. And that's the type of player that I would love to pick number one. Guess what? He's not going to go number one because one of these quarterbacks is going to go number one. And he might not even go number two and maybe not even go number three, depending on all the craziness that might happen. So here's the best part about it. If you're a team that's not selecting, you know, in Carolina's spot at number one, Will Anderson is the best player in the draft, in my estimation, and he could slide to you, which is, you know. That's exactly what you want. This dude's a game wrecker, and I absolutely love watching him play football. So there it is. There's my top 50 list, and those those last 10 are my top 10 players available in this year's NFL draft. One last uh, quick subject, and I know I kind of blazed through that, but one last quick subject. And I'm sure you've heard the news, and I know that it's been a busy sports weekend. I'm aware. I'm aware. I didn't want to come in here and talk about our bracket because I think, you know, Nobody wants to hear about your bracket. I know your bracket is important to you, but like, I don't care that your bracket is busted. I just don't. You know what I do care about? When big, when, when big conference commissioners, Power Five commissioners, do things that help the sport, and Brett Yormark did that this week with the Big 12 Conference. The Big 12 moving forward is going to have a conference pro day. So rather than trying to make all these teams decide which schools they're going to go to and like, okay, how am I going to get to all of these different schools on all of these different days? He, he says to himself, why don't we have a Big 12 Pro Day? We'll just bring all the players from the Big 12 that we're going to have or participate in a Pro Day, and we're going to bring them to Dallas, and then every team can be there. How good is that? So now if you're a Big 12 player, even if you don't get invited to the Combine, you're going to get seen by all 32 teams in a workout environment. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 
Brett Yormark is doing a marvelous job in his role as the commissioner of the Big 12. He has done as well as as anybody out there, even even guys that have been there, you know, longer than him. I think that the Big 12 made a great move. I don't think he's done, by the way, in his moves. I don't think that the Big 12 is going to stand pat. I would expect it to grow uh, from a number of schools' uh, perspective. And it's because of things like this. He got to a television deal quicker than the Pac-12. He does something like this that gets all of his players' exposure. So now if you're a school out there, you're thinking to yourself like, okay, this guy's going to be an animal when it comes to revenue. This guy is going to be an animal when it comes to exposure Brett Yormark is getting it done. I'm very impressed. And at some point this offseason, we'll be able to sit down and have a long conversation with Brett Yormark. So I can't wait for that because I think he's doing a great job. And the Big 12 does something that it's like, well, yeah, every conference should do that. And the only reason that they haven't announced that they're going to is, well, pride, to be honest with you. And I think in some instances, it's like, okay, if, if you're the SEC, do you really need to do that? Or are all those teams going to go to your major programs? Yeah, they probably will. But remember, this isn't necessarily about your Ohio State and your Alabama and your Georgias of the world, right? All 32 teams are going to go to those places because those guys have top 10 picks. And so everyone's going to be there. This is about the programs that only have maybe one guy that might be a third-round player. There's a lot of those programs out there, or one guy that might be a first-round player. And guess what? You're only going to get 9 to 15 organizations at your school's pro day. Well, now, all of those players can come to Dallas, and they'll have all 32 teams represented right there watching them work out. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Why didn't someone think of this before? And by the way, everyone should adopt this. And the only reason that you haven't is pride. That's going to do it for today's show. Um, I appreciate appreciate you listening as always. And by the way, feedback, let's go. It's draft season. I know that you're going to agree with some of these. You're going to not agree with some of these. And as we move forward, we're going to start to try to place these guys. And I'll come out with some mocks and uh, continue to do some lists here uh, through the draft process. I will be working the draft. Uh, we just did get it finalized, so I'm super excited about that. I'll be working again with the Nash, uh, with the NFL Network, with Rich Eisen, DJ, and uh, CD. Um, I can't wait for that. Those guys are the best of the best, and it's going to be a fun time in Kansas City. So that'll do it for Joel Klatt Show. Follow us on social media, at Joel Klatt Show. You can follow me, at Joel Klatt on Twitter, at Joel underscore Klatt on Instagram. And I appreciate you listening. Have a great week, everybody, and be safe.